This is the WZ Podcast with J-Rod here, Deleted WrestleZone's very own podcast of professional wrestling with AEW, NXT, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, the National Wrestling Alliance, various promotions, wrestlers, matches, and championships. I am your host, J-Rod, folks. So, as you know, there's been a lot of exciting things that have been happening, but also some questionable things that have been happening in all of pro wrestling. So... What shall we begin? Oh yeah. As you know, this past Saturday, Sunday, last week, which was Slammiversary for Impact Wrestling, we just saw, of course, Jay White. Now, my initial assumption when I thought when I saw him, if you guys recall, that there could be a war between the Elite and the Bullet Club. Now, you probably asked me why would I believe that. Now, if you guys know your history with Bullet Club, you all know perfectly well Kenny Omega was a leader of Bullet Club after they kicked out AJ Styles. And because of that, there was a more of a questionable problem that there were many of the Bullet Club fans questioned. Now, if you all recall, when Kenny was leader of the Bullet Club, he formed a sort of sub-faction known as the Elite, which consisted him along with the Young Bucks, and many up saying that he wasn't being a leader with the Bullet Club. Now, that kind of thing played out in a good storyline. This happened when, of course, the whole thing with the Bullet Club civil war between who was going to win the leadership with Cody and Kenny. That kind of brought it into another civil war. The Tongan family, or should I say, consistent of Tama Tonga, his brother Tonga, Hukileo, and who else? And Balak Fale, and of course their dad, King Haku. They made a decision to they call themselves the Firing Squad. So they basically became more of the the Bullet Club faction that will not tolerate the elite any further. They were getting sick and tired of of this whole crap, and of course, Kenny being the one person not acknowledging a lot of what's going on with the Bullet Club. And recently we have seen, ever since the whole so-called Bullet Club reunion, which, of course, Tama on his um, Twitch page, you know, Tama's Island, keeps calling them the Bootleg Club, which is true because the problem is this. The only two original members of that particular faction is Tama Tonga and Balak Fale. Now, Prince Devet, who we all know him as Finn Balor, he was the original leader and one of the original founders, along with not only Fale and Tama, along with Carl Anderson. So basically, in a technicality, Finn Balor knows he cannot use that name. But Carl Anderson, in somewhat uh, uh, reason, he decided to use that they're the Bullet Club. And recently, many of the Tama will not tolerate this. And of course, we had to hear this from uh, Don Callis months ago, saying that the other members of the Bullet Club are mid-carters. But however, there has been more of a questionable reasons that Jay White, who is now in control of Bullet Club, even though we do know that Evil is also the leader since he's currently running the show while Jay is here in the States, that he single-handedly sold out Madison Square Garden. Now, you probably ask, why would he say that? It's very simple. After Kenny left, they needed someone to play a foreigner who could lead them, lead New Japan Pro Wrestling to the Western side, you know, like the U.S. or anywhere in the world. 
So that was the whole point of the whole story. So it kind of fits in. But we never saw what we supposed to get the the Bullet Club Silver War. But we may see a Bullet Club versus the Elite. Now, we get to the point that took place in Slammiversary when the sudden appearance of Jay White. Jay White showed up. He had his own agenda in mind. Of course, he was out looking for David Finley because in Resurgence on August 14, he's putting the never open weight title on the line. However, all of a sudden, we saw at the end of Slammiversary, Anderson, Doc Gallows, and of course, the, uh, Don Callis were trying to put up the two sweet. They think that they're a part of the same thing, but Jay White has no intentions. And I mentioned this before. There is no way Jay White is going to side with the elite. But Don Callis thinks that he should because he's a talented guy, but there's something else. Don Callis has been running his mouth saying how Kenny is, of course, a wrestling god. But here's the thing that kind of plays out in a good story-wise. This past uh, Thursday on Impact, Jay White reminded Don Callis that it was him who beat him. If you guys don't remember what match was that, this was in New Year's Dash, where of course... Or New Beginning, I'm not remember. The New Beginning, where Jay White defeated Kenny for the IWGP United States Heavyweight title. During that time, Kenny was trying to recruit uh, Jay White to join Bullet Club. But however, Jay White already has a connection with Bullet Club. It all began with Balak Fale and Prince Devet. So they were the ones that kind of knew, were thinking about having him under their root. And that's what really happened so jay white played out the leader now we don't know what is the extent of jay white's presence but here's the interesting part we if you guys didn't see this on a clip after uh what happened during after the slam anniversary they showed where chris bay the finesse was in the backstage not happy that he did not capture the x division title during that Ultimate X match. He bumps into Rohit Raju. You know. And all this and that back and forth. And of course Chris Bay found a shirt. Now he assumed it was Rohit. But when he looked it up. It was a Bullet Club shirt. And that's when in my mind I started to think. Is Jay White recruiting outside of New Japan? Is he trying to form a somewhat sub-faction within Bullet Club. But in at another promotion. And, and that's kind of makes more sense and of course uh even though they are currently taping all their events it's just been revealed and i'm gonna say this right now spoil alert chris bay is also now officially with the bullet club that makes him that he is the first ever african-american to join one of the most dominating and controversial factions in all of pro wrestling and i have to say they're right and i think maybe chris bay was the right choice but the real question now remains with Jay White. Is he planning to recruit more people to start a war with the elite? To me, it would make sense because Jay White has become a huge star. They believe, because here's the reason. The elite doesn't believe that Jay White's era as a Bullet Club is the true Bullet Club. To be honest with you, there are a lot of fans that believe this is the Bullet Club. The Jay White era is the Bullet Club that it is today because there's been questions about Kenny now think about this 
The Bullet Club has always played out as a heel faction. Or, in in terms, the villain's faction. Kenny wasn't being like that with the Bullet Club. It would make sense. But with Jay White, it plays out pretty well. You know? So, do we think that Jay White is planning to form a sub-faction in Bullet Club outside of the promotion in New Japan? Well, I don't know. But if he is, I'm kind of curious to find out what's going to happen. But here's the thing. If Chris Bay is the first person in Impact, who would be next? You know, I don't have a clear thought who could be the next person to join this faction. But I'll keep an eye out who could be mostly potential. But we'll find out when the time is right. Now, as you know, recently we saw Zelina Vega made her triumphant return to WWE on SmackDown. Now, we all know that there's been a lot of controversy about her dismissal. And of course, we all assume that she could have gone to AEW. But right now, it appears things are very interesting. I saw this on social media where people are questioning, why is Zelina Vega having all these losses? She keeps losing her matches, and I said this. that They better put, give her a good push, or I'll be pissed off. And that's the thing that I mentioned, and I'm soon all of you are questioning. Now, this is the one thing that I always bring up, okay? Is she losing her matches because WWE are punishing her for her real-life husband for what he did? And I'm talking about Malachi Black, formerly known as Alistair where he now is currently with AEW. Now, if you guys remember, Aleister Black had a 30-day non-compete clause, but originally he was supposed to have a 90-day. Now, is is this punishment what WWE is doing to her? Because to me, if it is, this is real low, because this isn't the first time how WWE had treated female wrestlers who had husbands that left, or boyfriends. Who could forget AJ Lee? Ever since her... At the time, who was her boyfriend, now her husband, uh, CM Punk, left um, WWE. They've been treating her badly. And, and it kind of was like really disturbing out of their part. And there was also fear that there were other pe- women that would feel the same way. Like Renee Young when John Moxley le- uh, appeared at AEW. Same thing with um, Peyton Royce when Sean Spears, who at the time was her fiance, now her husband, same uh, was there too. So basically, there's a lot of the that sort of thing has been happening. But is this really what WWE want to do? Punish her for her husband's decision? To me, I say that's a load of crap out of their part too. How to say punish her for something that her husband did? Think about it. It's not their fault. And I keep saying this. They need to stop with this crap with punishing the wives. Or girlfriends for something that they did. It's not their fault. You're trying to ask them, you should have stopped them. I'm like, uh, no. Their job as either as a girlfriend or as a wife to show their support, not to do your bidding. I mean, look at Char- Charlotte Flair. She doesn't, they don't need to do this to her because we all know where her fiance is. He's currently at AEW making a name for himself. The only reason Char- they can't do nothing to Charlotte was A, because. She's the daughter of Ric Flair, the two-time Hall of Fame winner and 16-time world champion. 
you can't do that to Charlotte Flair. I mean, I, I know it sounds a little bit like what? Or harsh or out of my, come in this out of my mouth, but it is true. Zelina Vega doesn't have that. But they better not screw this one up. They better start, um, how do I say this? Allow her to just <coughs> do what you guys wanted her to do. But if you guys don't want that, then it proves you guys are WWE are being a bunch of pricks for their actions, what they've been causing. Now, on the AEW front, this is what happened. It's been official now. Donda Rosa is officially now with All Elite Wrestling. Now, you probably say it's about time. Yes, it's true. It's about time. But I don't blame them for taking this long because we don't know beforehand what was the extent of her contract. Now, I did what we do if you guys were or were not aware. Her contract expired this year. Last year, we all know what happened. We all were dealing with the pandemic. And of course, um, Thunder Rosa was at the time the NWA Women's Champion. So basically, she was putting the title on the line in various places with the permission and blessing of Billy Corgan. So that's the reason she is. And I think her now being with AEW is going to play a good, fine decision because we, I have to say she is one of the most highly respected and one of the leaders in all of women's wrestling. And that's, I always talk about that about her in every aspect because she's an amazing wrestler and she wants people to believe in women's wrestling and i have to say i've been feeling they should continue doing that now the next thing that took place this past uh wednesday on dynamite we saw the appearance of the mdk nick gage of gcw now this was something i did not expect but at the same time, surprising and shocking. Now, you probably say to me, why is that? Simple. Nick Gage will never be in a major promotion because of the way of he wrestles. He's a, a deathmatch wrestler, you know. That's his MO. Now, you're probably saying, how did they manage to get? Now, if you guys know this or not, AEW does have a strong connection with GCW. There have been wrestlers that actually wrestled with GCW, like Joey Janela. Sonny Kiss, Marco Stunt, Luchasaurus, um, who else? Penelope Ford. Um, and I can think of a few others. But, however, having G uh, Nick Gage in it, it would make a lot more sense. Because this is something that we don't see in WWE. But seeing it in AEW, it feels a whole lot more better. Now, Nick Gage, if you guys are know who he is, he is one of the most highly respected deathmatch wrestlers in all of, today, of, of today's of pro wrestling. He has been involved in many of the death matches and all of this and that. He died several times. He almost died several times, you know. And that's the reason why he is one of the most popular. Recently, uh, if you guys just heard or not, he just lost the GCW world title to none other than, whoa, 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 Matt Cardona in a death match. Uh, many fans are like uh, mostly the die hard GCW fans are not happy with it. Now, that's another conversation for another time. But Nick Gage, I have to say, this is going to be an interesting thing to have him in a major wrestling promotion. But however, the match that he's involved in is with Chris Jericho for a no disqualification match. But the real question remains, um, are they going to allow him to do the things that he normally does 
when he's in doing death matches, you know, in GCW or Combat Zone, that sort of thing. And that's something that needs to be said. But for now, let's just see what's going to happen this coming Wednesday on on AEW Dynamite for Fight for the Fallen. I think that's the next, next show. But let's move on with continuing more with AEW on this segment. As you know, there have been discussions about CM Punk and Daniel Bryan maybe heading to AEW. Now, some of you fans, especially the WWE hardcore fans, you're probably saying this to me. Nope. Nope, Johnny, J-Rod, it's not going to happen. Those guys are AEW, WWE fans. They're not going to that piece of trash, AEW. Well, I would agree with you, but you got to keep in mind, there hasn't been an easy piece between both WWE and CM Punk. And of course, there has been some not easy tensions between both Daniel Bryan and WWE. Now, I'm not saying that WWE screwed up. I'm saying they kind of this. They were old wounds that I don't think it could be healed from both sides, from Punk and Brian, and of course on WWE's part. And I feel that's the, the problem. However, I am going to point out a fact that came out coming from these guys out of Connecticut, which is of course the podcast and YouTube channel known as. Squared Circle Cycle Babble, they mentioned something that I have to agree on many level. Now, let's go back in time to the late 1990s. Who could forget that the biggest shock of defection came from two particular former WWF wrestlers, and I'm talking about Scott Hall and, of course, Kevin Nash. If you recall, they defected from WWF to WCW. That was one of the most biggest shocking moments whatever these guys went the fan base followed now square circle cycle babble made an, a valid point everybody loves daniel bryant who could love the yes movement and of course punk now the real question is this if cm punk and daniel bryant are in talks of joining AEW, and of course they will be part of the roster, then there is a highly anticipated notion that many that many of the fan base who are diehard CM Punk and Daniel Bryan fans would follow, and this would repeat itself again, just like WCW. So if it does, it's going to be happening. But I know some of you WWE hardcore fans are like, it's not going to happen, J-Rod, it's not. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to. If it does, are you going to follow them or not? Because I'm a fan of both guys. But however, things haven't been the same with WWE for the past couple years. And I think that's the reason why. But if they do sign, I do predict that somehow if AEW is going to do a show in Chicago, CM Punk would be there. Because many people remembered an All Out in the very first one in 2019. They anticipated that CM Punk was going to be there. So if I was AEW, I would definitely would like to have him appear at, of course, at a Chicago event. It doesn't matter if it's an All Out or anywhere else, but that's how I would picture it. And as for Daniel Bryan, that's a different story, but I don't know exactly which is the perfect timing. That's up to Tony Khan, and we just got to wait and see what he's going to put out on this because I will definitely would love to see it, and I know for a fact that AEW's rating is going to go through the roof, baby, 
and WWE is going to wish they could have done something better. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is Triple H not happy with Vince and the WWE over his wrestlers who were part of NXT not being recognized as wrestlers, not giving them the push. Now, we have seen wrestlers that have highly succeeded coming out of the NXT, you know, like, um, what's his name? Finn Balor was one of them, Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, but the most recent wrestlers that we were expecting, they're not having been having the good, the best of time. Look what happened to the revival, now known as FTR. We know they have been one of the most best uh, tag team wrestlers in NXT two times, but however, ever since going to the main roster, things have changed, and I'm sure Triple H was not happy. And of course, we're seeing. Um, Ty Dillinger, better known as Sean Spears, he wasn't going anywhere very fast. There have been talent that we've seen that were part of the NXT brand are not being pushed. They're not giving the proper, how do I say, way to expose them or bring them as the new, fresher talent because Vince was slowly, how do I say this, paying attention, relying on the older veterans like um, Edge and Randy Orton. And if you guys recall, uh, the USA Network were being fed up with Vince not handling the del uh, delivering what they're asking for, which is, of course, fresher talent, new faces. But he's not doing that. Now he's starting to do that. But the real question remains now, because here's the thing. The new faces that have been appearing uh, from NXT, we have Aaliyah, we have, of course, Shotzi Blackheart, Tegan Knox and Tony Storms. Now we are expecting there could be possible more, but this is the problem. Vince thought right now having a younger, fresher talent being called up, we don't know if it's going to help or is it too late. You know, I know it sounds a bit harsh coming out of this out of my mouth, but I'm not saying it's true. I'm just stating the facts because, look, I understand we need newer talent, you know, but Vince is mostly relying on the older ones. And it's a bit of a hypocrisy. Years ago, he got rid of the older wrestlers to get the newer wrestlers. And now it's the reverse. I don't know why he did that, but it sounded kind of like, um, how do I say, <sighs> kind of dumb out of his part to do that. But hopefully they'll do well. But if not, then I'm sorry, NXT stars are basically screwed. Now, the final thing I want to talk about, this made the news this past Saturday on the, what's today? Today's the 25th, so this happened in Japan time. Emi Sakura, if you all remember, she was part of the very first ever Double or Nothing pay-per-view back in 2019, where she teamed up with Yuka Sakasaki, Aja Khan to take on two out of the three competitors who are her protégés. Hikaru Shida, Rito, and Ryo Mizunami. Now, we, ha we have seen Emi Sakura making her way to AEW since then. Back and forth. Uh, if you guys know this or not, um, she runs her own promotion called Got To Move Pro Wrestling. And their flag show is called Choco Pro. It's a real fun show. Basically, it's like a mat wrestling, but it it's all brown. And that's why they call it Choco Pro. And not to mention, they do this thing called uh, Junkin, which is their version of um, Rock, Paper, Scissors. 
and they do a little tournament and whoever wins will get a piece of chocolate so i thought it was a pretty fun match i've seen her wrestle many times over but their recent event in their choco pro was revealed that of course emmy sakura after her after the match on august 8th she's been booked to team up with masahiro takanashi taking on the best bros and according to her after this match which is the season finale of choco pro season 8 emmy sakura has a one-way plane ticket she's going to join AEW full-time between six to a year six months to a year i and, and it's kind of surprising but she did stated that she's leaving the promotion in good capable hands when hands of her wrestlers that she used like Balianaki, Mei Shiruga, Chiko Shikawa, Kirahara, you know, many others. But this is going to be interesting. According to her, she's going to expand Choco Pro in the U.S. And I'm like thinking, oh, this is different. And I think the uh, Michinoku Pro Wrestling event that me- that she Balian and May, along with Chi, they did not too long ago. They did a Choco Pro event down in in, um, in Michinoku Pro Wrestling's dojo, while the other member, other people remained in uh, in their in the actual place where they do their events. Continue on because they were continue to move forward with the Oak Tag League, and I say that was a good trial run. I think Emmy must have been testing them testing both sides like what is it like if she's not around and of course she's at another location how do you develop it and i think she might have been experimenting on that i think she wants to take the choco pro uh shows to a whole different level outside of japan and frankly i say this is going to be a very interesting development coming out of her now, if you guys haven't seen any of these shows from Choco Pro, you should go on their YouTube channel. Go to Got to Move Pro Wrestling and click on some of the recent events they've been doing for the past year and a half or so, whatever they were doing. They do wrestling match on regular on regular rings, but they use um, like the mat. It's one of their most popular shows that they have for the Choco Pro. But it's fun. You guys will enjoy it. But I would like to see how she would develop here in the u.s but the real question is who on aew would fit perfectly to how do i say get involved i can picture a few like let's see who can i think right now in the top of my head i got marco stunt and possibly jungle boy hopefully fuego del sol and as for women i would say rio rio and of course hikaru shida would be most likely because we all know those who don't do know she trained them um who else could join them uh well i would like to see thunder rosa but there's no way she would do that unless she wants to i know it's kind of hard but it wouldn't surprise me with one other person uh because he has done a event like this before with his partner that he had at the time was with Rio, and that person was, of course, none other than our current AEW Impact Wrestling 
Triple A champion. I'm talking about Kenny Omega. You're probably saying, what? Did he actually done this type of event? Yes, there is. You can find it on their on YouTube with the Choco uh, with the Got to Move Pro Wrestling show. He teamed up with Rio. How do you think he brought her here to the States in the first place? But that's how I picture with that. But whatever happens, this is gonna be good, and I'm sure um mate um Emmy Sakura is going to possibly put it live on the YouTube channel and possibly every fan in Japan are going to Get excited. I, I'm not sure if she's going to call it Choco Pro AEW. I mean, it's catchy if you guys can see that. But, like I said, we'll just see what happens. But right now, let's just catch the latest Choco Pro events that are remaining all the way to August 8th. So, I think that's pretty much it I got for all of you. So, I hope you guys enjoy, you know, hearing all this stuff that I've been bringing out but for now i'll see you guys in the next dwz time same dwz channel i must bid all of you adieu so goodbye and have a nice day bang